Coco Pure today here. Um, I'm sitting here with my brainy mate, my brainy mate, and I've got lots of them. Uh, her name's uh, Catherine Burkett, and she's a mum and a. I've just forgotten a, a, a clinical. <laughs> well, we decided neuroscientist, but you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Mum was the most important part. Yeah, it is the most important part. Hey, eh? hey, good to see you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. On this beautiful, you know, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, it's quite cool. We're doing these podcasts and we're here at the parenting place, which is a passion of mine, parenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're using their gear. They don't even know. <laughs> yes, they do know. <laughs> they don't even know. But, you know, um, one of the things that happened uh, to me when I went through some really rough patches, um, I surrounded my myself with positivity and great relationships and uh, this place being one of them and it has been I think uh, the major player in me getting through some pretty tough times you know so Catherine I want to ask you relationships how important are relationships I know they're important dumb question pure but <laughs> I want to I want to have a, a brainy view on it Instead of that choice, bro, you should have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely rate them. Um, yeah, and, and and absolutely, anyone listening will go, of course relationships are important, but when we look at the brain and we start to unpack how the brain develops and the real basic needs of the brain, the most basic, basic, basic thing is a relationship. And when baby's born, the first thing they look for is another face, another another person to touch them, to the, the, yeah. they recognise the smell. And if they don't get that, they feel like they're going to die. And 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 so that relationship, it's not, I don't know. But hang on, hang on, hang on. That's a strong term, young lady. They're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I suppose I do use that a little bit flippantly. But the brain the brain goes into a stress response. We talked about red brain, yeah, green yeah, brain yeah. in one of ours. And so essentially our survival system, our stress response system, is about surviving, therefore, the initial thought processes that I'm going to die. Um, it is yeah. at a very, 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 very low level. Yeah. However, if we if our babies don't feel connected to someone, don't don't feel that connection and that safety, their bodies will stay in a state of stress. Essentially, the 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 fear, the the and the only way we change that is through relationships. Is via relationship. Positive. We could we could feed a baby. Yep. Um, and we could make sure that they're watered and we, you know they've got water and they're warm. But if we do that in absence of relationships. This is a terrible statistic to know, but unfortunately we know through highly neglected children, so they are being fed, they are being um, given water and they are warm, but if they're not touched, within mm. two weeks they're significantly likely to die. And I'm... I, wow. Yes. Wow. Yes, I don't like knowing these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But do you see how important touch... Yeah. The, the eye contact, um, and I know some babies don't see, so it's, it's, it's not just that, but it's the touch, it's the interaction, the voices... That, that knowing that someone is going to keep them alive. Otherwise, that baby goes, well, it's no use. The brain sort of goes, well, it's no use being here. It doesn't start growing. It doesn't activate nerve growth wow. factor in the cells. And and touch, which, just, is, which is relationships. I've just had these weird, well, they're not weird. I've just had these pictures in my head of those old photos of uh, Inuit, uh, of Maori, of, of, and uh, those... Those babies were strapped to the parent, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, you know those papoose and all that sort of stuff, eh? Yeah. And they were just strapped there. They knew, you know, even even for me growing up in in such a close, uh, I can remember how mum and dad smelt. That may sound weird. Dad sm- smelt a little bit of Port Royal cigarettes, but <laughs> but there was still that. If if I if I smelt that tobacco now, I actually get a sense of warmth that goes through into my brain. Mm. So so those relationships you talk about. 
are just major building blocks, eh? Or the foundation. The foundation. Without okay. it, like I said, food and, and water and stuff are also really important for survival. But you could have them. Yep. But in the absence of relationships. Now, I'm not saying it's okay not to feed your baby, but if you had beautiful relationships and you're hugging your baby and your baby was didn't get quite enough, you know, they got enough food, but not yep. really enough, do you see they'd be significantly more likely to survive if somebody cuddled wow. and held them, do you wow. see? Rather than undernourishing them. And obviously we want yeah, bugs. Yeah, I know but, what you mean. But do you see it's the relationships that build the brain. And and even now, if you if you watch a kid trying to learn something and they're trying to learn something, they'll get closer to you and they'll get closer and then they'll be touching your leg and then yep. they'll have to sit next to you. And 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 I love when I read the Gruffalo once, I had this moment of realization because the Gruffalo scratches his head. I was like, why would you scratch your head? Because when you touch your own head, which is really close to your brain neurons, yep. you activate your brain neurons and you remember things. So oh. when you're trying to remember things, you scratch your head. And I sort of think all of these things we do. There's a reason. It's touch. Yeah. And, and we are so, and I have to say appropriate touch, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. But but we are missing touch. We are yeah. we are losing touch. And, and I noticed with my daughter when she had adolescence, my daughter isn't the huggiest person ever. My yep. son is a very, very huggy person, but she's naturally genetically not that huggy. Yep. And so she had adolescence. And, and I reflected back. I was like, crikey, I haven't hugged her for quite a while. Like when we leave, you know, they go off in the morning, I always give them big hugs. And and she'd sort of changed that way of wanting to interact with me. So I started doing a side hug, you know, like I put my arm yeah, around yeah, on yeah, the shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. The teenage, her the, yeah, the yeah, teenage the hug. And then you could start seeing her when I started doing it. She'd lean into me, you know, she'd yeah. lean into me. And now she's gone through the adolescent phase. She's yeah. she's more likely to give me a hug now. But but what we're doing, and why I think that, is because even in the adolescent phase, they push away a little bit. And so we push away even more. Yeah. And it's actually when they need it. And it doesn't mean you grab them and give them a great big hug because she wouldn't have wanted that. But I found a way to still... Give her that touch, that relationship, that interaction, yeah. without being too much. And you could see she wanted it, but she didn't want that full front-on hug. Do you see? And so we've got to say, what do our what are our kids asking for, and what do we need, and what do the people around us need? And and it's t- and some people don't like it genetically, don't like yeah. it. My sister doesn't like touch. She's genetically doesn't like touch. Yeah. There's some people that have grown through their environment to find touch. Um, hard to take, but they do want it, but they find it aversive. Do you know what I mean? And some societies, about, some societies rather. Yeah, that's about you know. changing that understanding. But in a generalised sense, touch activates nerve growth factor in the brain. This is the brainy stuff. Yeah. It activates the growth factor in the brain, and without it, our cells can die. Actually, I'm a bit annoyed, actually, because I was going to say that exactly like you were going to. <laughs> hey, look, yeah. parenting place, this is – yeah, I'm – it's just because we're here doing this recording and we have um, awesome people here like uh, life coaches and family coaches and, you know, I've been in my life, I've been to counsellors, I've been to, to work out my stuff. So we have all the structure that we can go to if things aren't going right in the old scone department. Uh, but explain to me... Because um, you, you, you know, you agreed with me when you said that that relationships is the foundation stone. So what you're saying is we need to go back there first. Absolutely, and even if you, I mean, even if you are quite well grounded and quite well regulated, which is the the, the sort of person who can keep themselves calm enough. If you went to a counsellor, if you went to a um, psychologist, if you went to get some work done, if you didn't like them, yeah, <laughs> if you didn't click with them, you're not going to get anywhere. So they could be the most amazingly skilled PhD qualified person in the entire world. But if you walk in and you don't get them and they don't get you, <laughs> this therapy is not going to be very good. Yeah. So actually their knowledge 
is not the most important thing in the room. Their relationship with you oh, gotcha. is the most important thing. Then we can get to that therapy. That's the first step. Place. And 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 it's and it's we are very very focused on trying to change the green brain, the top part of the brain. Um, we put in behaviour therapies, if you're or behaviour interventions. If you're good, we'll give you a reward. If you're naughty, we'll give you a consequence. And um, we talk about planning. We talk about everybody thinking about what they could do if they start to get stressed. But actually, the first part of our reaction. So, so anything external or internal that's processed hits the lower part of the brain first. Right. So if there's a sound outside or a smell outside, boom, that hits our lower part. If internally we're hungry or we're tired, internally it hits the bottom part of our brain first. And that's that part of the brain that was structured in the first few years. That part of the brain says, uh, am I going to die? Uh, yep. And if right now it says, yeah, you are, then boom, you're in full reaction. Yep. If you hold it calm enough and you've got relationships around you or you've built enough knowledge through relationships that you're safe, that information can slowly work itself up to the emotional part and then up to the thinking part and go, actually, don't be silly just because you're hungry. There's, you know, there's food in the fridge. You can go and get that in a little bit of time. Do you see what I mean? Yep. But if... But if it comes to the lower part of your brain and you don't have time to process it, you will react, and that's when you do those, you know, impulsive, irrational, maladaptive behaviours. It's relationships that hold that base, either over time growing it into a really strong base, yeah. or at the time having. So you know, when you're really stressed and you know you're really up there, if somebody is near you, you're significantly more likely. Someone near you that you trust and feel safe with significantly more likely to survive, which is why you surrounded yourself by the beautiful people here yeah. when you needed it, when you yeah. needed that red brain to have a little bit of help to hold. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. It makes, it makes complete sense. So, um, you know, we were talking a little bit before about, because I don't know, you know, there's a, um, there's an old uh, Māori saying where it's, it's really looking back to the future. Uh, you know, you, you have to look back to move forward. And a lot of people in modern society think that's a real dumb thing. You know, keep looking forward, keep moving forward. In fact, when I say that, society quite often, or just the way we live these days, well, I'm going to ask you, you're the, you're the brainy one, does it promote environment to create good relationships? <laughs> oh, that was slightly evil, that laugh. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I, I often... Uh, so the more I study science and neuroscience and read books, the more I go backwards, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm doing a lot, and we talked about resilience, and we talked about multiple moments of tolerable stress, and we talked about peekaboo and telling stories. And all of those things are done within relationships. However, if I'm a parent and I'm you know, making the money to, to provide for my child, I'm cooking the dinner to provide for my children, I'm cleaning the house or whatever, all those sorts of things, how much time have I got to sit and play? And so what we had historically is we lived in spaces where we all lived in in, in, in the village and everyone hung out together, right? We were on the marae all day and, and everybody was there. And there was people playing and hanging out and tuakana was, you know, you learn better from someone who's just a bit better from yourself. Now we've got our own house, yep. which isolates us from all the rest of the whānau. And if they do turn up, they turn up for a little bit and then they leave again. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. And, and then we, in our schooling systems, we isolate ages. Um, and so... <laughs> yeah, true. If, if, I was 22 in the fourth form, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we mostly isolate um, ages. Um, but but if, you, if you think about a kid, we say you, you don't share. You need to learn to share. 
And you think about how we learned to share. We learned to share by watching the kids just a bit older than us share. Because adults don't, I mean, if I want something that you've got, I don't say, Oh, Peel, could I please have your pencil? I'd like to borrow your pencil. It would be nice. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I just go, yo, give it, you know, <laughs> because I'm so expert in that. I don't need to run through it. But a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old who's just learnt that will go up to another kid and go, could I please have the toy? I would like the toy. Yeah. And they're really explicit in that. So a three-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old in that environment watches this really explicit learning phase yep. of the next one and they learn from it they don't learn from parents are really terrible teachers in all those spaces because we don't we don't say please and think thank you you watch how often you actually do the things you ask your kids to do in a home oh I, I want I want that up in lights <laughs> that <laughs> yeah but we yeah. say you need to say it but we don't because we've got there and in my house now I mean we just don't because my kids are teenagers now and we understand each other and we don't expect that Yeah. Um, because we know that we respect each other. But I would expect a two or three-year-old to do that. But where do they where do they see that? So, so yeah, modern environments are very um, – they're not biologically respectful. Biologically respectful environments are living together in spaces where we've got little kids around each other, we've got parents doing what they need to do and grandparents doing the – um, overseeing and the playing games and stuff like that. That's a generalised space. That's a diamond right there. Biologically respectful. I love that. I love that. And that was just that. That just. And I had that. I think, I had that. You know, with the phone. And even now, like I'm planning a trip up north because, you know, I'm really busy and the people I hang with are fantastic people, and they are more than friends. You know, a lot of these people are whānau to me. But when I go back up north, and I hang out with some of the bros in that, and we just talk rubbish. Uh, there's just this uh, this whole buzz, you know, that happens because of that relationship and because of that chemistry, you know. And and isn't that so cool to know? But yeah. We get too busy. No, we haven't got time to go home. We haven't got time to go up there. I've got to get this work done. I've got to get that work yeah, done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we burn out. And we go to the doctor and we go, doctor, could you give me some medication, please? Because I'm burning out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and I get, and, and by the way, some and people do need medication. People oh, yeah. do need medication. Sometimes you do. But actually, quite a lot of the time, we know to go and get a hug from someone that we really adore. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in fact, that's bringing our brain back to that beautiful state of, of calm. And so our green brain can go, what's actually going on here? Actually, I am okay. I, I, I do have lots of people around me. But when our red brain is overactivating because we're feeling dislocated from our relationships, we start to catastrophize and ruminate. And that's yeah, yeah. and yeah, so so go get a <laughs> and say go hug a tree, but you know, go hug a real person. Yeah, actually, I'm just looking out the window down at the uh, supermarket there. There's a whole heap of people. I'm going to run down and hug some. Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora. How are you? Hey, I, th- I think the important part of here is a relationship is someone that you've got a former <laughs> oh, trusting relationship with. Yeah, but there's no risk factor there, girl. <laughs> Hey, um, we were talking before we started talking um, about uh, this guy, Perry. Now, I want you to uh, share this with our listeners. I was going to say viewers, but we are painting pictures here. <laughs> so our listeners. So, so it, you know, every time I see you and, 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 and you know, you always bring up this guy and, um, and I can see the excitement. But tell me about, with regard to relationships, his or his thinking around that. Yeah, well, um, so Dr. Bruce Perry, so um, he developed the neurosequential model of therapeutics, which is a great big long word. And when yeah. people introduce me, they it's use tongue tie. Neurosequential. So neuro is the brain, sequential is the sequential development. It yep. develops from the bottom to the top. I've introduced you many a times <laughs> and never got it right. 
doesn't matter. Yeah. Practice. Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Perry developed the neurosequential model of therapeutics, and the reason he developed that is because he realised our, our natural interventions weren't working. Um, the top brain approach, so medicating or therapising yep. to the top brain. Yeah. And so he... Um, has just recently um, published a book with Oprah. It's called um, What Happened to You? And, oh, with, and who, with Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Yeah, Oprah, Oprah. With Oprah, Oprah. So um, Dr. Perry and Oprah to have a conversation in this book. So cool. it's, it's quite fascinating. And, and Dr. Perry has helped Oprah on her journey because she had some um, things in her early years that have really impacted how she is. And Dr. Perry's helped her right. understand that. So... Um, so Dr. Perry wrote the book, What Happened to You? And, and the title of the book is really important because we say, what's wrong with you? Ah, straight away. Right? Straight away. And the point is, is what happened across. to you? What happened to you? It's not It's not your fault. You didn't ask for anything. Even someone, you know, we talked about your um, friend in jail who had done some things that, you know, weren't very nice. But if we asked what happened to you. Yeah. As opposed to what's wrong with you. <laughs> right. That's so cool. What happened to you? So that's mm. the question we want to start asking. What happened to you? So this this book's really cool. And I was reading this chapter that talked about Dr. Perry's experience here in New Zealand. And he came over, Robin Fancourt, beautiful lady who helped the um, inception of Brainwave Trust. She had worked with him. So he came to New Zealand because he adored her. And he did some work. And he asked, while he was here, can I please spend some time with the Māori um, here? Because he was on his journey about... Working out how to heal. Yeah. Did um, you lose my number? I'm a Māori. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go and spend some time with Pure. Yeah. It was a few years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all right. But you know, you would have been great to talk to. But he did go to the far north and he spent two days on a marae. And he talks about it in this book and it's really cool and he talks about how everyone's hanging out. But some of the some of the sayings, I, um, some of the quotes I wanted to um, share, and you talk about going back. This is a man who's worked with the kids in the Columbine Waco, uh, Columbine oh, okay. te- kids, the Waco, Texas, the people that burned down the um, enclosure. The parents stayed there and the kids got out. They worked with them. He's worked with the Haitian infants who had to be emergency evacuated. Like, this is the man who gets called in for the most incredible situations. And he's telling us what he learnt from Māori. And he was he was walking around with this um, komatawa and all that sort of stuff, and he's like, show me the medicines and show me everything. Yeah. Um and then it came down to it, and, and he uses the word for Nongatanga. He uses quite a few Māori terms in the um, book, which is very cool. And what he said is, is, is Western medicine um, doesn't uh, doesn't look at the um, base view. So he, uh, he said that the elders didn't reject um, you know Western medicine, but they felt that the view of health that was just about the person and component parts. So we go to the bone doctor, the eye doctor, the right. brain doctor. Right. He said he felt that was missing the core elements of health. He says, if connectedness for Nongatanga wasn't addressed, the potential effectiveness of Western interventions was blunted. Mm. So he's saying, go back to the beginning, go back to that very, very basic idea, basic, the important idea mm. of the of the relationships first. And so he says, our standard assessments, Western assessments, measure the nature and severity of the symptoms we don't measure the nature and quality of the relationships. Our approach to treatment wasn't getting to the heart of healing for Nongatanga. And he talks about a young boy that he'd been working with before he came to New Zealand. And this young boy, Timothy, he names him, um, was having issues at school. And Timothy's mum was a single mum and she'd been through a lot of issues. And then she'd got a new partner and then there'd have been issues there. And they'd moved and moved and moved. And so this young man was having real big trouble at school. And they were medicating him for ADHD and they were medicating him for a couple of other things and they were treating him in a therapeutic, you know, top brain therapeutic way. 
when he went back, he realised the core of it was mum couldn't have this relationship with her son because she was so stressed and so traumatised herself. Gotcha, gotcha. So he said, our Western therapy, we had a um, child psychologist, he said we brought mum into the same place. There was very few places that mum and child could go together to be. So they brought mum in, they gave her therapy. What they did is they got mum involved in a local church right. and she reconnected there. They got the boy um, into a buddy, a big buddy system. Yep. So his friends, do you see, none of this was medically induced sort of, and they got him off all his medication. Within a year, within a year, he was doing so much better. And and I just, you know, it's just such a beautiful thing. And he says the contrast between their world, so Timothy's world, and the Māori community was striking. The Māori had such rich relational density and developmental diversity. Babies, children, youth, adults and elderly, all in the same space. This is right. what we're talking about. Right, right. Um, he said, I imagine Timothy running around the marae with the other children engaging with aunties, uncles and grandparents, you know, and, and he thought if he could just do that, that's healing. Yeah. And, and and we're trying to look too complex with this situation. We've got people who are, our kids running in front of cars, our kids bringing knives to school and weapons. And, Biting and, and, teachers. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're saying, oh, we need more intervention. We need to do more medicating or we do to need more therapy. Actually, what we've got to do is stop. Yeah. Kilda. And say, who likes this kid? <laughs> what happened connected? to you what or what's you? happening yeah. to you not what's wrong with you I love yes. that isn't it beautiful <laughs> that is just such a good that's so cool <coughs> excuse me we cough there but I'm fine um, listening to your talk um, and you know hopefully these will be played uh, on and on and on again but actually in this present time now we're looking at restructuring health and there's this whole conversation around Māori health for Māori. And a lot of people are jumping up and down, you know, it needs to be one for all or whatever. But listening to what you're saying and, and listening to what Dr Perry is saying, that, um, you know, to be given the the role and responsibility as Māori to look after ourselves and to know ourselves and to, to have these traditional things happen could be the best thing that could happen to us. I mean, they've already, I mean, just last week, and I don't want to put times on this podcast, but just last week, it has been proven that Oranga Tamariki has really struggled and has not done a good job with regard to Māori. So whatever, that, that you know, for me, I go, whatever, let's move on, let's fix it. And this is the sort of stuff that this Dr Perry is saying. Absolutely. Let's let's get back to, the, to, to how we used to, be. I was just asked by someone the other day who's a systems person. They said, if we want to do one thing, what do we change? And I said, create spaces in your community for everyone to get together, Ooh. to be, and yeah. make it acceptable for parents to ask for help from other people. And oh, if we you could mean do no, that, stig no stigma? <laughs> oh, what? You asked for help? Can you not do it on your own? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, you yeah. mustn't be a very good parent if you need help. Actually, this is the whole crux of our development. So if we want to say a, a, a system for Māori, personally, medically, we are going so far away from what we understand as, as humans and, and the brain. We're getting so medicalised. I mean, I, it was scary when I worked in America on a behaviour camp. The piles of medication these children chuck down their throats every yeah. morning. And I just it scared me because back then we really had no medication in New Zealand. This was, you know... 
15, 20 years ago. <laughs> just trying not to date myself too much. I'm glad this is radio, isn't it? No, you look stunning this morning. Um, but, but they were chucking all this medication down their throat, and now I see it with some of our kids, and I'm like, actually, can we try something else? Yeah. Can we try something else? And actually, if we can start with that, that connection, that who are you, who am I, where do we link and make me feel safe, then if we get to the point where we do need medication, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But actually we jump in there first. So if there was a Māori health system, I'm signing up. <laughs> and I'm not Māori. <laughs> no, but, but that's the I? other thing. But that's the other thing. As a very proud Māori New Zealander, it, this falls into the category, if it's good for Māori, it's good for the rest of this 100%. country. And I want all my Pākehā whānau and Asian whānau and Pacific whānau, if this is the way and we have to sort of rattle cages and shake Parliament to get it and it's good for everybody, then come on, jump in this waka, you know. it's not. I don't have a them and us attitude. No, and I think that's sometimes why people are saying we shouldn't because because we are putting a division between. Yeah. But actually, if we say, why don't we let Māori have a look at their health system and develop one, and then you don't have to be in that system if you're Māori, yeah. but you can be if you're not as yeah. well, and, and say, how would you do it? Tell me how you would do it. And also with Oranga Tamariki, how would you do it? Yeah. Tell me how you do it. And that's what I want to hear, and I hear that they've got people that they've, they've named that they want to do this board. Um, and I just think, tell me how you're going to do it, because I think if, if, we, if we listen to the hearts and, and go back to how we originally lived and connected, if the people making those decisions, because not all Māori are still connected, no. do you know what I mean? I'm not, and, and not all Pākehā aren't, but it's more That's likely right. if you could go back to there and say, let's go back, let's understand that, let's remember the stories of our ancestors, let's think about that, and let's develop a system based on that, then I think that would be beautiful and magic, but it doesn't necessarily have to be for all Māori and not for non-Māori. Good. But you set up a system like this, and there's options here. Because if it was more relational-based, if it was more interactions, if it was more based on what I need and, and creating those communities, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. And, you know, you just pull the word marae out and put village in. Uh, yeah, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, like, um, you know, um, the fact that our environment has changed because of the modern way of life we're in, I... I'm really interested to explore, and this may not be the place to do it, or, or it might, uh, <laughs> to explore how can we create these sorts of environments within the environment that we live today. So, you know, like uh, kids playing soccer, kids, you know, all those sorts of things. Are those the sorts of things, relationships, say, cornerstones, that even though we don't live in those older times where it was easier, how can we create those situations in a modern way of life. Yeah, and there's a little bit going, I know that some um, uh, preschool, you know, kindergartens and stuff like that are starting within old people's homes. So they're, <sighs> you know, so those sorts of things, which which I love, but I also feel slightly sad about because it should just be naturally happening. But if it's not naturally happening, can we create spaces for it to happen? That's the question I'm asking. Yeah, you say playing sports. Sports are great, but what we don't do after sports, because sports are still kids being told what to do and there's still a regulated space there, what we should be doing afterwards is having the club rooms, hanging out afterwards, and all the kids bugger off over there and play their games over there, and the parents sit here and have a chat and have a conversation, but we're not. We're too busy, so we finish soccer, boom, we're off oh. to the next thing. So, so no, those the regulated spaces where the coach is still telling the kids what to do are not, are not the best spaces. They're great, but they could create 
the next step. When we go to music groups, we do a lot of little music things with the kids, but then we all sit down and have a cup of tea afterwards and the kids crawl around and have a play and stuff like that. That's the magic. And, and, wow. and the music groups are great, wow. by the way, because they do all, awesome things for the brain. But it's that connectedness afterwards. But we get too busy. We've got the next thing to go to and we've got the next thing to do or we've got to go and do this or actually we're just going to get on our phones and swipe and you know, and look through our um, social media and stuff like that. So it, we create spaces where people can connect. Um, space programs, we do a lot of training on those um, because they're just amazing. They create spaces for parents to come together and they have a little discussion around a little topic, but actually it's about parents sharing to parents Yep. And, and creating an environment. This is the parenting place where you create drop-in centres and you've got, do you see? We've got a, uh, you know, for, for preschoolers, a, a, a programme called Space. You yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. that's the Space programme, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do a lot of work. I do, I help out on, you know, I do sessions on that sometimes, which is really fun because babies start screaming and yeah, I have yeah. to talk loud. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Um, but, but, that, but who's coming to those? Yeah. And who's not? And what we not need to start doing is creating them in spaces where everyone wants to come. So we do it. And, I'm, and I know it'll be happening around the, the country. But we do these um, Kyle Marai and, and everybody turns up and they just hang. There doesn't have to be a reason. There doesn't have to be an outcome. There doesn't have to be a certificate that you get for attending. It's just because we want to be. And we've lost, a lot of people have lost Let's just go and hang out. I, you've brought up a really good point that stuck with me, actually, And you, when talking about sport. So if you've got sports, so we're leggies in our family. As, as a young fellow, we played league. But that's so, okay. Yeah, that's no, okay. no, it's okay. Go the Warriors. Um, and what happened is, you're quite right, we, we've got that uh, the coaches there, and it's that, what would you call that situation? A regulated situation, right? And what you're talking about... And I just want to make this clear for our our uh, listeners. So if I had moko, um, or, or when my kids were younger, we'd take them to sport and we think, right, my kid's involved in sport. But what we're missing is that other part. Free play. Yeah. Free I was, play. Yeah, free play. I was driving to, um, to this corridor today and rugby's just gone through this new big reshuffle. They're, they're doing a, a deal with the Americans to take the, the All Black brand to a different space and I was listening to guys uh, to the guy Savile who's on TV1 real good I don't know him but he's really good at what he does and he's saying look throwing money at a sport may not fix the issue you know because we've got numbers of kids that are, are dropping out of sport at that sort of uh, teenage age and one of the reasons he says because nobody's got any time and I thought, wow, that's interesting. So there's a lot. That's all we did in our teenage years: is go to school, play sport, play <laughs> rugby, play league, play netball, or whatever you know. But he mentioned the fact that time is a real issue, and kids are pulling out of sport, and that sort of worried me a bit. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I love this. We haven't got time, and, and I just want everybody to have a quick think when you say you haven't got time. Have a check on your phone. How much? screen time you've had today. Oh, you had to bring that up, <laughs> didn't you? But but we haven't got time. And actually, I think it's beautiful. We've got this culture now. We have to be busy. Have to be busy. Otherwise, you're not valued. And I want people, I, I, I go to the supermarket, my beautiful local supermarket, and, and, and usually the person, if they're asking a question that's at the checkout, says something like, have you had a busy day? <laughs> and I love every now and then throwing in, Nut just got in my PJs, pretty much done nothing today. Yeah. And they'll look up and their face you is lose just it. like, you lose you're not supposed to say that. Even if you haven't done anything, you go, yeah, 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 you know, no, no, busy day, busy day. Because we're not, I go, no, actually, I've done very little today. I really haven't done anything. And, and 
I want people to start actually, and you can still say you had a busy day. I don't care if you say you had a busy day, but actually ask yourself, have you had a busy day? Because I know people who Netflix series, and I go, I've never watched it. And they go, oh, yeah, I watched that series last weekend. Well, you could have got your kid to sport then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, it's, and, and don't use that excuse. Say, why am I not taking my kids to sport? Why are my kids not involved? And in fact, I did lots of work a few years ago with the Auckland City Council around adolescents leaving sport, which is a, actually interesting. Yeah. It's a stage. And it's and true, it's, right? Yeah. Our boys need status, so we actually need to win things. So we, we, the, the non-winning thing puts our boys off sport. Uh, it's got to be a competition. You know what? I've so just... things like that, you know. So, so you probably do have time, and we need to make our kids do it. But it's actually not just sport; it's free play. Let our kids just go out and hang out with other kids. Yeah, and develop relationships. Hello. Hey, the other thing is, um, I'm going to. I'm beating myself up in my brain here because I because I work hard. Okay. Uh, well, maybe I don't actually because I've just watched this Netflix thing. <laughs> But I've worked hard and, you know, and I had this thing when dad came from the country, mum and dad come from the country, Hokianga, he worked hard and he raised the bar. We got a house and all the rest of it. So my job is to raise the bar again. I still believe that. But it's not just about raising the bar materially. It's about giving my tamariki all the uh, skills that that they need to lead a good life. And I had this saying that I used to say to my kids. Now I'm going to say it and I'm not proud of it now. Just because of you, I'm not proud of it. Snoozers are losers. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> and you've just gone, no, snoozers. When you got a snooze, you could be. But do you see when you sit? And, I, and when I what sit, a I'm, in a relationship, I'm in a relationship with myself. You know, like I'm sitting and I'm being. And I love my time just doing nothing. And I'm okay with it. And I tell people I do nothing. Yeah. And I think this is a thing that we have to realise. And by the way, you do work hard. You work exceptionally hard. But you also relax oh, and yeah. it's okay but we sort of think oh we can't tell people we've relaxed because that means I've wasted some of my time non-productive yes. you're a loser because yeah. you're snoozing PJ I'm days gonna stop, man I'm going to stop saying that eh? <laughs> but 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 we are taught that it is sent down through generations and and gosh my parents never stopped I never saw my parents sit down now I love it when I go home and I see them and they're sitting watching you know they're horse racing watches and they're sitting there watching it during the day and I love it but they never stopped. They didn't. And I don't want to be like that. I hey, do not want to be like that. Hey, you're farming stock, right? Absolutely. Dairy farming. <laughs> Sorry, I just about called you an old cow. <laughs> you're farming stock, right? I apologise. You are. You're fantastic. Well, heifer, heifer, yeah. <laughs> not even close. Kid. But then again, I, I, I just thought, I just got this facado right, that your parents are far, farmers. Work, 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 mm-hmm. work, work. It's a difference, though. You're next to them. You know, in those farming situations, yeah, yeah. in those rural situations. So even though they're not, the work hasn't separated them from that nucleus of a whanau, eh? Mm. Which but is also, cool. But I also, the reason I got my job is I didn't, I've always said I would never be a farmer. Even if I fell in love with a farmer, I'd leave yeah. them, right? Because I do not want to be a farmer because it's too much hard work because I want Lazy, I, <laughs> I really am. So I, I was listening to a talk back on this um, national program, and they were talking about the blobfish, and the blobfish does nothing unless they need to. It's it's they had a term for it. Stop and it staring there, at me. It sits there and it does nothing until it um, has to. And 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 the the person said, "Oh, that's my spirit fish," and I'm like, "It's mine too. I'm a blobfish. I work really hard when I need to present and stuff. I've got massive energy. But yep. you come see me on a tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> I'm a blobfish, right? I'm yeah. going to be doing nothing. 
and I won't answer my phone and I won't answer emails and I will be thinking very little in my brain because I will be doing nothing. Yeah. And it's okay. We just I just have that thing about we're busy, 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 busy. Actually, are you? And it's okay not to be always busy. So let's just stop using that excuse sometimes. Do you know what I mean? And I know some people really are busy and unfortunately some people do not have time to stop. Yeah. But I think the majority of us can find spaces to build relationships and be in those spaces. Fair, fair, fair comment. Blobfish. I've just written blobfish down. <laughs> I don't like the word. It's my spirit uh, animal. Is that it? It's my spirit animal. It is lives it? in the depths I right liked, down underneath the sea. Can I call myself, because you're my brainy mate, can I call myself an impact player? You know, when you're watching rugby and that, the guy sitting on the bench, he's doing nothing. But when you need to go, you go. Yeah. Can I be an impact player instead of a blobfish? <laughs> Whatever you want. But isn't that okay? Isn't it okay to sit on the bench sometimes? And then we get to watch and you get to see things and you get to process. Well, let's, how do you fill your wairua? How do you fill your wairua, your spirit, and be the best dad, mum, friend, uh, whatever you can if you don't become a blobfish for a while? Exactly. And I want people to be okay with being blobfishes or um, impact players and sitting on the bench, whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah. It's okay to be. It's okay in that space. And I see it as being in a relationship with myself, just sitting there and thinking. So so relationships are the basis of it. Other people, at first we need other people because babies can't be in relationships with themselves yep. because they need someone else. But once you've built that up, you also need to build up the relationship with yourself. Relationships, relationships, relationships. So to fix the being or to to create a being that is is healthy and well, we should be starting with aroha and relationships. 100%. Mm. Love it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hey, where do people find our... our, our Podcast. Podcast. Um, so they. Are... I, can't, I was going to say blobcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we could call them those. That's all right. Um, on uh, my website, engagetraining.co.nz, yep. there is a podcast page, and all of our podcasts will be on there. So, um, and yeah, and we'll put it on the Facebook page, and we'll put it on the. I guess we'll link it to the parenting yeah. page and it's stuff. It's going like to be that. everywhere. But, yeah. but engagetraining.co.nz is where the podcast page will be living. So yeah. very exciting. Very yeah. cool. Hey, I'm going to close this off really professionally. Okay, watch this. Would I'm you listening? Like- would you like a cup of tea now? <laughs> Absolutely. Kilda. <Kill> <laughs>